I'm a comedian. This is a good job. I also, I'm also a filmmaker, sort of an amateur filmmaker. I'm filming a horror movie right now. I'm shooting it exclusively using the backup camera in my Subaru. <laughs> I shoot mostly in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> Those people are on edge and they get scared real easy. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and, oh my God, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. And now, everybody get out of your seats and give a cool bloody hand to the host of this podcast. The podcast with zero fucks to give and all the info on... Movies that won't change your life one teeny eeny meeny itty shitty bit. That next level network production of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And that host I spoke of, well shit, he's so terrible, even the northern deer are cutting their front legs off and running like humans to the hills. Yeah, I'm talking about Paul the Appalling Asshole. And welcome lurkers to the 10th episode of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. This week, we're going up north where there's snow and cold and... Wait, what the fuck are we doing that again? Hasn't winter been around long enough? Fuck. Well, shit. Looks like despite the frightful weather outside, I gotta do this one because it was a listener request. Fuck you, Jacob. Oh, Jacob's a good guy. Jacob's a good guy. Uh, he requested an episode. I'm doing it for him. I'm going to talk about a movie that takes place in the snow, in the cold, and in Canada, too. Wow. All right. Can't wait. Ha <laughs> But no, seriously. Got a great show planned for you all this week. Um, I'm premiering a new, a new segment. New segment. It's not a huge, great, awesome segment, but it's a new segment. And obviously the review of the week movie from 2014 a little indie flick known as black mountainside which yes i'm aware is also a led zeppelin song but we're not reviewing the song this week sorry guys but first let's do what we always do let's dig into the five alive stories of macabria or what is also known as recent news (laughs) and my recommendation of the week too and first story kind of not horror-related, but kind of is, so fuck you, I'm reporting it. You know that Venom movie that's coming out with Tom Hardy? 
R-rated. Can be really fucking awesome. At least I hope. It's Sony, so who knows? But you know, Sony's producing it, and you know all that shit. Anyways, Woody Harrelson apparently is going to be playing Carnage. He'll be playing Cletus Cassidy, a serial killer who received part of the Venom alien symbiote costume. But it creates a far worse and far more sadistic killer than Venom. So is Venom going to be like the hero of the show? And Carnage will be the villain? I don't know. I also heard rumors that uh, it's a kid's name, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Apparently he's supposed to be in the movie, so maybe he's the hero. I have no clue what they're going to do with this movie, so kind of looking forward to it sounds dark and horror related well i mean like spawn spawn a while ago was you know back in the 90s that was a horror movie in a way so it's possible waxwork records i'm talking about these guys like every fucking week i swear but not that you didn't all know obviously you all known that stephen king's it original soundtrack uh, from the television uh, miniseries they're releasing the soundtrack on it's a triple LP, uh, complete score by Richard Bellis. What's kind of cool though, um, I posted the link from Waxwork on the Facebook page because they have like the three vinyl records are gonna be red, blue, and yellow, like the balloons that Pennywise had. So that looks kind of cool. There's gonna be some uh, artwork by I believe the guy's name is Matt Ryan. Not Constantine Matt Ryan, but another Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's also the name of a football player. It's a common name, I guess. But anyways, um, yeah, I guess uh, Stephen King approved the artwork himself, so that's kind of cool. Trifold jacket, so it's going to have, like, you know, open up, like, a really cool book-like kind of thing. It's supposed to come with a printed newspaper insert and instructions on how to make your own SS Georgie. And it comes with a balloon, because don't you want a balloon? Everyone wants a balloon. Fuck. Next thing you know, kids will be snorting that shit, too. Anyways, I'm moving on from that. That's coming. uh, It's actually being released today. I'm recording this Tuesday morning, so... Tuesday, the album gets released. So by the time you hear this, it'll already have been out. Hopefully not sold out yet, but you you never know. But some, I should say, from some really good news to some really what-the-fuck news. So, Twisted Pictures is moving ahead with a ninth Saw film. Really, guys? Do we fucking need another one? I tapped out after five. Seriously, Saw 5 was the last one I watched. I know there's people out there that really like these movies. I mean, I guess, what, Jigsaw, such a success, uh... What was it, last October came out? Around Halloween, I remember that much. And so, apparently, originally, a ninth Saw film was just a conversation, but now it's actively in development. Uh, That was reported by Bloody Disgusting. And uh, no one is really sure whether this can be a follow-up to Jigsaw or Saw 3D, the final chapter. I don't know what the difference is. I haven't watched Jigsaw. But anyways... Uh, it is though I'm just reading this quickly yes okay so the Jigsaw writers are currently developing it but the directors will not be part of it just want to make sure I got that right so the writers Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg 
are going are working on the new film, but the directors Michael and Peter Spierig will not return, and there is no director attached yet. So, early news, I guess. Early news. This is really cool. If you're a Child's Play fan, of course. Uh, for years, fans obviously have always wanted a life-size replica of the Chucky doll. You know, the, the good guy doll, whatever. And Trick or Treat Studios came to the rescue. They're finally, uh, they're, they're bringing one to the table, as they say. And so, let me see here. Pre-order is up through Kickstarter. Now, the interesting thing about that, there was two... Uh, price ranges you could uh, pay at. There was a $500 and a $700. $700 one is gone. All that's left is the $500 uh, price range. So if you really want yourself a you know one-to-one scale of a child's play Chucky doll, uh, it's 500 bucks. But I, I mean, this is Trick or Treat Studios, man. They they know their shit. They do fucking great, amazing work. So that doll is going to look awesome. So you know what? I'm sure the $500 is probably worth it. And moving on now to uh, a story that actually kind of made me happy. Despite it being tied to Michael Bay. Now, Platinum Dunes, uh, the company that uh, Michael Bay, Andrew Form, and Brad Fuller created. I mean, what? Since back in 2000. Three, I want to say, 2003, 2002. Anyways, whatever it was, early 2000s, they've been basically pumping out remakes galore. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Hitcher, Amityville Horror, uh, Friday the 13th, and uh, a night, a nightmare on. It's fucking hard to say. It's painful. A nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, they uh, they all came out of Platinum Dunes. Fuck you. Anyways, no. Uh, <laughs> however, they have brought us the Purge franchise and obviously the latest craze, A Quiet Place. And so recently announced, no more remakes. We've rebooted enough is what uh, basically Brad Fuller said. We've done all our rebooted horror movies. We're not going to be doing that anymore. And then Andrew Form followed up with, for us as a company, we're always looking for original material. And the idea of finding something original was important for us. We made a film where there's two to three minutes of talking in the movie, where sound is a full character, and it feels like audiences are really responding to those ingredients. Uh, He was um, talking about... uh, uh, what's that movie? Um, I mentioned it already. Uh, a place that's quiet, something like that. Anyways, yeah, they're talking about that, and they're done with reboots and remakes. Thank God. Thank you, Michael Bay. You're doing something right for once. No, I shouldn't knock Michael Bay. Fuckies. Not all his movies are my kind of movies, but that doesn't mean dude doesn't know what he's doing. So, speaking of that movie, though. A Quiet Place. That is also my Lurker's recommendation for the week. Um, I saw it Sunday afternoon. And Jesus Christ, that's a fucking wonderful film. Uh, it does have flaws. And uh, I'll get more into that in a couple weeks. I will be doing an episode on, on the movie. 
So, but I, I want to kind of let it have its run for a couple weeks before doing the episode. You know, so I don't, if I spoil a little bit, it's like not a big fucking deal. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's a damn great flick though. And it is my lurker's recommendation. Go see it because in two weeks time, when I do the episode, you're not going to want to be spoiled. And I am going to talk spoilery shit, so fucking get off your ass and go watch the goddamn movie now. Okay, anyways, I think I'm done. I need to hand this off to Rob, host of Caffeine Crew, Cast Pods, and DC Primetime for a moment. Uh, But when we come back, it's going to be my time to present to you a brand new segment I'm calling Films I've Watched This Past Week. Back in a moment. Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, The Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Okay, thanks, Rob, for that. And this is a new segment, Films I've Watched This Past Week. Or you could also call it Coming Attractions, I guess, because... Every movie I watch this past week eventually is going to be an episode on this podcast, so we'll call it Coming Attractions as well. Um, But yeah, it's films I've watched this past week, because as with most horror nerds, horror fans, whatever you want to call us, we like to watch our movies, and we watch a lot of them, and there's a lot I go back, and I've watched umpteenth hundreds of times, and then there's sometimes I'll watch a movie for the first time. And uh, I should also explain earlier when I was trying to, you know, do my really bad rendition of, like, someone from the South. Uh, it's because, like, there's, like, uh, let's see, two movies I watched in the past week that both, like, had Southern accents. And it just seemed, like, kind of funny. And I, I thought it would be, like, a nice little twist at the beginning of this. So it's kind of why I did that. But um, so anyways, yeah, so the basis of this uh, segment is just me. I'll be talking about, you know, the, the several movies that I've watched throughout the week and give, like, you know, kind of, like, one or two little pointers about each and move on. You know, it's just just something because, I mean, I always do, like, a main movie week after week, but I don't watch just one. Like, <laughs> I watch a lot of them, and some are good, some not so good, some are fucking amazing and some are yeah you can hear the toilet flushing right now so anyways the movies i've watched this past week uh for starters and, and these are in no order it's just a matter of when i remember what movie i watched uh but i did uh recently just watch last night uh 1987's uh near dark with lance henriksen bill paxton jeanette goldstein um uh, 
Adrian Pazdar. Everyone knows Adrian Pazdar lately from either, uh, what is it, Supergirl, he's Morgan Edge, or he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which for the life of me, I can't remember what his name was on there, but he was on there as well. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was in the movie uh, Near Dark, like way back in 1987, and it's kind of funny, like I was watching it last night, and I never realized like how young he looked as opposed to now, like, cause I'm used to what he looks like now. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh shit, he's just a little wee little tot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun watching that. That's, it's definitely going to be an episode on this podcast. Um, probably within the next month or two. Uh, it, it's a movie. I, I, fuck, I go back to this movie over and over and over. I must've watched it at least 50 to 60 times in my life, if not more. Uh, it's awesome. It's got one of my uh, favorite songs that the Cramps, uh, they they did like a, a, a cover version of the song Fever. Yeah, and I, I fucking love the Cramps version of it. And it's obvious, it, it's the best part of the movie, in my opinion, is when uh, Severin, uh, Bill Paxton's character, is kind of going fucking nuts in the bar. And he's like, you know, killing everybody and shit. And that song's playing in the back. I fucking love it. Um, so I watched that. Um uh, Another movie I watched, uh, The Fly. I love The Fly. The Fly is a fucking great movie. And I'm talking about the David Cronenberg remake with uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is a fucking actor and a half. I love this man. I love the shit that he fucking does. He is so batshit out there and yet so grounded at the same time. I love this movie. Uh, it And it's interesting. Like I had a few, while I was watching it, I had people commenting into me and whatnot. And, you know, saying, like, uh, I had one friend said, you know, uh, that it grossed her out to the point where she, like, puked, you know? Um, and another person wrote, like, oh, my God, I love this movie and whatnot. And as I was watching it last night, like, I, I was noticing myself, you know, this movie holds up pretty good for being a movie that came out in the 80s. I want to say 86, I think, was The Fly. Um, it holds up well. Like, okay... There are a couple times where you can tell, like, Goldblum is, like, kind of, like, in a latex rubber suit or whatnot, you know, when he's more transformed as the fly and shit. But, I mean, overall, this movie holds up very well, you know? And uh, recently on, uh, there was a group, uh, there's a couple groups I'm in on Facebook anyways, and someone uh, wrote, you know, uh, name a movie where the remake was better than the original. And there's only two movies I can personally think of that were better than the originals, and that is uh, John Carpenter's The Thing and David Cronenberg's The Fly. And don't get me wrong, because I love the originals of both of those films. Like, A Thing from Another World is a nice classic little black-and-white film, and the original Fly, eh, it's campy, but I love it. Like, I think it's a great film. But the remake is fucking amazing. And, you know, just when I was watching it, like, I was just noticing, like, this movie holds up so well, like, I really hope that we never, you know, have a day where someone says, I'm remaking this and I'm doing it CG because it's like, and I mean, there are, there are elements of computer graphic, uh, imagery in, you know, the fly. I'm, I'm aware of it. Uh, not a lot. As a matter of fact, I think it's very minimal, if anything. I think sometimes it was like with, um, ah, shit, like some of the oozing and stuff like that, but it could be wrong. Like, I mean, I've, to be honest, I haven't really looked into it, um, Another movie that I watched recently that does have a bit of computer graphics, but is still another practical effect favorite of mine is Candyman with Tony Todd. And of course that 
that kind of like I I had to go back and watch that because of the most recent news that Tony Todd was coming to our Windsor Comic Con this year, and you know, I've I've already watched Night of the Living Dead with him in it, and uh, I mean, what it was Hatchet Two I think is the one he was in. You know, um, I've watched these movies recently as well, but I had I hadn't gone back to Candyman yet, and so I watched that recently, and I tell you, you know, one thing I I realized about that movie. Not so much Tony Todd or Veronica Cartwright or, you know, any of the the graphic imagery or any of that. One thing that I really love about that fucking movie is the score by Philip Glass. It's a fucking great score. Like, and I I had to go looking because I knew I had the soundtrack, like, on a CD somewhere. And I ended up, I found it last night. So I've now loaded that up to my MP3 player. And I should have probably played some of it while I was doing this babbling segment. But whatever. Um, yeah, uh, Candyman's another great one. Um, so two movies I watched, uh, kind of uh, in relation to a, a a podcast I listened to, um, not of this network, but it's a podcast nonetheless that I love very much, uh, Say You Love Satan. And so their most recent episode was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Next week, it's Alone in the Dark. I watched both movies this past weekend because... First of all, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is not only like, I almost want to say that I like it a little bit more than the original for the fact that the humor is more on point. And a lot of that is because of Bill Mosley, obviously. Uh, his his um, portrayal of Chop Top is like fucking spot on perfect. Bill Mosley is one of those few actors that can make me love a movie that I should normally hate. I'm not a big fan of Rob Zombie films. I've kind of mentioned that a couple times. But anything Bill Mosley is in, like House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, even that fucking animated thing they had there, that El Super Beasto or whatever, the fact that Bill Mosley had a, a, a part in that made me watch it. I love everything this fucking man does. I'll even watch, uh, what video is it? Is it? Oh, shit. Search and Destroy, I think is the name of the song by um, Combi Christ. And he does, like, the, the fucking opening, like, little monologue thing there. I can watch that, like, over and over. Bill Mosley's a fucking man. Uh, I, I wish, I hope, sometime in my life I get to meet Bill Mosley because he he's oh, he's just something else, man. I, I love following him on Instagram and on Twitter and shit. And, I'm like, you guys know I don't like Twitter that much, but, I mean... I still follow him on there. He posts some political shit, which I kind of just ignore, but I love when he fucking goes off. It's pretty good. Super smart guy, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too, and then their next episode uh, coming up is Alone in the Dark, which I've mentioned on this podcast before when uh, I was talking about um, Jack Shoulder and uh, how he was tied to um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, how he di- he directed that. And I had mentioned how he had worked with Bob Shea and Lynn Shea before that in a movie called Alone in the Dark. I hadn't seen the movie, so I wasn't really familiar with it. But now they're doing it as an episode. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to listen to their episode, I guess I should watch this movie. So, you know, I kind of have an idea what the fuck they're talking about. Let me just put it to you this way. You have a film with Donald Pleasance, Jack Palance, and Martin Landau. And Martin Land Martin Landau and Jack Palance play like basically like crazy dudes. And Donald Pleasance is their doctor. 
There's some fucking bizarre and fucking hilarious acting going on in this fucking movie. But it's so much fun. It's from like 1982. I like I said, I had never watched it. I'd never fuck. I hadn't even heard of it up until like you know this past year. Um, but my god, it was it was fun to watch. It's different. It's very different. Um, and it also uh, shit. What's his name? Dwight Schultz. Dwight Schultz. And you guys would know him as Murdoch from the A Team if you remember watching that in the 80s. He's in this fucking movie. Now, he's not as batshit crazy as Murdoch, so that was a bit of a bummer. But, I mean, all in all, he, he plays another doctor, and uh, it it was a fun movie. I got, I, I'm I'm looking forward to their episode to hear what these guys have to say about it, because I know I had fun with it. Um, I got two more movies to talk about, and then we're going to move on to the main attraction for the week. Uh, but um, how do I want to do this? Okay, so I'm going to talk about this movie from 2016. It was called Broken. Broken was an interesting film. Uh, listed as a thriller, kind of not. It's actually more drama. But I would have to say I do understand why it's listed as a thriller as well. So basic premise of the movie is you have a caregiver, and she is um, assigned to take care of this tetraplegic who committed he he attempted suicide and he was failed and but he lost function with all his hands his feet his arms legs and all that stuff he can he's basically a vegetable that talks pardon the expression if that offended you fuck off 2018 and you're fucking offended people anyways so yeah so here's this tetraplegic guy and he's a real asshole he's a fucking jerk and you know, you have this caregiver who, you know, she tries to talk to her boss and she says, you know, I need out of here. Like, this guy's abusive. I can't handle this. The stress level's too high. I can't sleep, blah, 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 blah. And as in typical, you know, Northern American culture, your boss never listens to you. And her boss doesn't listen to her. Um, gives her the old spiel of, well, there's paperwork involved and, you know, we'll get back to you next week. Uh, give me a shout and we'll, we'll help you. Yeah, okay, shut up, asshole. Um Anyways, so it goes on and goes further into the movie and you meet his friends and his friends are a bunch of druggies and hookers and they're abusive fucks and they're broken in a way, you know. Um, it's interesting, the whole idea of broken, as in these are all people who just live their lives as they know and their lives in the way they affect them cause them all to be broken. But the main focus is on the tetraplegic and the caregiver. Anyways, so the tetraplegic has this little party. It's his whole party for, uh, hey, look, I didn't commit suicide. I failed kind of thing, and let's celebrate it. And anyways, the caregiver goes through more turmoil. You know, uh, I don't want to spoil shit in case you guys want to watch it. But anyways, she tries to call, like, the 1-800 emergency helpline now. And... She gets someone on the phone, and they're like, oh, well, what's the problem? And so she explains, look, I need out of here. Like, this this lifestyle is it's tearing me apart, blah, 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 blah. And the person on the other end of the phone says, well, what's wrong with your patient? And she's like, well, there's nothing wrong with him, but, like, I need out of this. And they're like, oh, well, you have to call our home office uh, on Monday. Where have you heard that before? Like, it's a very interesting movie. It was really catching my attention because... Not only was this about a caregiver and her patient, but this is like almost becoming common within the workplace. Employees have no one to go to anymore. 
because bosses and helplines and all that other bullshit never listen. They always wait till shit goes too far, and then all of a sudden you read in the news, woman goes postal, uh, doctor kills nurse. You know what I mean? Like, this is why this shit happens. It was a very interesting film. I'm not going to spoil the ending or anything like that. But I've also read, after I watched it, I read a few, like, reviews and comments and shit like that. And, you know, people on on the internet are saying, like, this is a very um, accurate depiction of what caregivers go through. If that's what they go through, uh, one, you have my full respect that you put up with that shit. Uh, two, I don't think that would be a career I'd want to go into then. Because, I mean, granted, yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of caregivers who have great patients and who are really nice people. But if they get someone like this guy, which I believe his name was John in the movie, so you get someone like John, who's this tetrapol- tre- yeah, tetraplegic. Thank you. I've said it how many times, like perfectly, and now I stumble. Anyways, you get a guy like him. Uh, I I don't know that I I wouldn't turn around and you know want to slice his throat or something. So that was an interesting movie, and I mean, oddly enough, it, it was just it was at a Walmart. Uh, Nine eighty eight was what I paid for it. It was. I thought the cover looked kind of cool. I'm like, you know what? I remember back in the days when I used to go to the VHS rental places. That's how I saw half the movies I ended up falling in love with was because they had cool cover artwork. So I kind of went with my gut on this one, and I was kind of glad I did. Uh, The other film, obviously, is A Quiet Place. I don't want to talk too much about it because, as I've said, this is an upcoming episode as well. But A Quiet Place... Uh, was awesome, definitely worth the theater experience. I say that because I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but I'm going to spoil what the audience is like. Nobody wants to eat. Nobody wants to cough. Nobody wants to breathe. Nobody wants to move. You know why? Because you hear it. You're focused so much on the silence of the film that you notice everything around you. We had one girl in the theater. She was trying to hold her coffin. Because apparently, I don't know, I guess maybe she was sick or whatever. Maybe she had smoker's cough. I don't know. I, anyways, whatever, whatever, she kept trying to hold in her cough. And it was making it worse because then she ended up, she would start choking. Uh, luckily, I mean, most of us kind of like had a really good sense of humor about it. Kind of giggled it off because you could tell like everyone around you, nobody wanted to make a move. <laughs> like, um, and like okay, you, you, most of you know when you watch, you when you go see a film on the on the big screen, you can kind of whisper to the person sitting next to you, and you know odds are most people around you aren't going to hear you because there's loud, there's loud bangs, there's music, there's booming and talking and stuff. Well, with this, uh, uh-uh, I had there was someone in my row. I think they were about like you know I'd say about a good fifteen twenty seats over from me. Like they were way on the other side, and they were whispering. You could hear it. So, I mean, I couldn't make out what they were saying, but I mean, the point is, is it's a really cool experience to be in a theater because the whole expression of you could hear a pin drop, you can. Um, As for the film itself and the movie and all that, I'll get into that in in two weeks' time from now. I might even have a guest for that one. Uh, Hint, hint, you know who you are. But, uh, yeah, so that's... uh, that's this seg- this week's uh, segment of films I've watched this past week, uh, and that pretty much is all of them. Uh, you know, obviously I watch TV shows and other shit in there as well. Uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, yeah, good show. It, you know what? I'll be honest with you. If Ash versus Evil Dead doesn't get past this season, and this is 
you know, the end. I'll say this. It's a it's a good way to go out. It's going out on a high because this season's fucking hilarious. And so much weird shit going on and stuff you didn't see coming and whatnot. I'll be honest. If this is the end of Ash vs. Evil Dead, I'm okay with it. I really am. But on to our main attraction for the week. It's a listener request. And no, I won't tell you to fuck off this time, Jacob. But yes, um, a listener of the show, Jacob, uh, messaged me. Oh, geez. This was a couple weeks back. Uh, well, it was at least a month ago that uh, he saw this movie, Black Mountainside. And he said he thought it was whacked out. I remember he said something. He was like, it was whacked out and it was fucking weird. And he wanted to know if I would do it as an episode. And I told him, sure, I would. So I think it's about time we packed up some gear, put on a few layers of winter clothing because it's fucking cold outside. Grab a musket and some whiskey and head up north to the high reaches of the great white snowy Canadian reaches. And got ready to meet a talking deer. What? A talking deer? At the Black Mountain side when we return. A week ago, we began unearthing a large object that we think is the home of the structure that goes down really far. This is the real deal, and we're looking at one of the biggest finds in the past century. The crew will be remembered mm-hmm. for the greatest archaeological find possibly ever. Yeah, right. I like the sound of that. There it is. Gentlemen. Still feel like shit, eh? Yeah. Even feeling progressively worse throughout the week? Yeah. Someone was sneaking around the outpost last night. I don't know, maybe it was an animal. For Christ's sake, that was no animal. When was the last time you slept? I'm not sure. You're hallucinating. He's here now, listening, watching. He's watching me, Jensen. I can't move without him watching me. I can't move. Calm down. So, Black Mountainside, good little Canadian flick. Kind of had, like, three different release dates. Um, It's official first-time viewing release date was July 30th, 2014, at the Fantasia Film Festival. But then it did the festival run for a couple years, and then officially got released in the United States January 26th, 2016, and in Canada, it was February 26, 2016. So, I don't know. It's a 2014 film, but most people didn't see it till 2016. Uh, the runtime on it was 99 minutes long. Now, I am going to preface this by saying, I have never heard this man's last name pronounced. So, I have no clue how to pronounce it. I know I'm horrible at butchering fucking names. So... For the duration of this um, review, we'll call it, I'm going to be calling him by his first name and his last initial. 
I will attempt to say his last name once. And after that, I am not doing this again because I feel like already like a fucking idiot because I don't know how to say this guy's last name. But his name is Nick Josh Taskiewicz. That is the closest thing I will probably get to saying his fucking name. I apologize if he hears this and he's thinking to himself, what a fucking loser. Yes, I am. I know. I can't pronounce last names. So he will be known as Nick S. for the rest of this episode. And all that just for me to tell you who the director's name was. (laughs) Anyways, it was also produced by Samantha McDonald, Cameron Tremblay, and Nick S., Written by Nick S. He had his hands in a lot of shit in this movie, which is awesome. Uh, but, yeah, every time I came up to his name, I'm like, I am not going to be able to say this name. Uh, so, it was distributed in 2016 by Raven Banner, releasing in Canada, Monarch Home Video in the United States. For the rest of the world, I'm sorry, I don't know. I couldn't find the information for you. Uh, so, I have no clue what the Region 2 um distributor was for like you know the uk and european nations and australia and japan and all the other places in the world that aren't listening to my podcast anyway so what the fuck does it matter and now your starring cast of people i had no clue who they were but you know what they all did a great job in this so that doesn't matter uh shane twerden michael dixon Carl Toftfelt, Mark Anthony Williams, which that name did sound familiar, but I couldn't place him. Uh, Andrew Moxham, Timothy Lyle, Steve Bradley, that name sounded familiar too. Nathaniel Gordon, who technically is not in this movie. His voice is used in this movie. That's about it. He's not actually in the movie. Bryce McLaughlin, Kelvin Bonneau, or Bonneau. I think I'm saying it right, but I know. You know what the worst thing is? I'm gonna. Uh, here's a little insight into me. I'm part French Canadian. I can't speak a lick of shit worth French. So <laughs> I come up to these French names sometimes, and I'm like, uh, how do I pronounce that? I am like the worst person. Um, actually, me and my friend Jeff, we were talking the other day about people that pronounce words wrong because they read a lot. Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that reads a lot. I don't hear a lot of names so that's why i'm horrible at this shit and i use like you know my phonics uh, lessons that i learned way back in the early 80s before we had hooked on phonics which i never needed but anyways um so it's just kind of explaining why i have a hard time with names is because i'm a reader i say it as i read it and i know there's times that i'm like way the fuck off like okay if i was now, granted, I've heard the man's name before, but Brett Favre is actually spelled Brett Favre. So if I was to have, like, never heard his name and was asked to pronounce his last name, I would call him Favre. But I know because I'm a football fan and I know this shit, and, I mean, who the fuck doesn't know who Brett Favre is? I know that it's pronounced Brett Favre. Anyways, Kevin Bono and the last name on the list, Cameron Tremblay who is also one of the producers. So the producer got some acting time in there. The synopsis for this film is Canada's remote wilderness becomes a chilly catalyst for terror as a group of archaeologists uncover a strange structure buried in the snow. As paranoia and mistrust take hold, 
the researchers turn on each other, encouraged by visions of a mysterious figure lurking at the fringes of the woods. Is the terror real, or is it a hallucination? Whatever they've unleashed is a powerful force they may never comprehend, if they survive. So yeah, that's that. Um, It's beautifully filmed, I'm going to say that. Now, I haven't even gotten into the, you know, the blood, the gore, and the fugly, but... It is such a beautiful movie. I was proud to be Canadian when I saw this movie because I was like, that's my country there. It's it's so beautiful. Uh, So I got a little bit here to give you an idea of the reception of this film because it's kind of an up and down. uh, Best explain it. It's like either you love this movie or you hate this movie. It doesn't seem like there's any middle ground here. So IMDb has it rated at 4.9 out of 10, which is about the middle ground. Google users are in favor of this movie by 62%, so it's a little upwards. iTunes users have it rated, you know, out of 5 stars, about 3.6, so that's upwards. Modern Horrors gave it 8.5 out of 10. That's awesome. Then you get to Rotten Fucking Tomatoes. 29% rotten based on the audience score. Fuck you. Okay, because this movie's not that fucking bad. 29% rotten? Are you kidding me? Um, Filmazon.com gave it a 75 out of 100. On Letterboxd, its average review is about 3 out of 5 stars. Uh... I this is see this, you know how the last couple of weeks I've been like oh rotten tomatoes you know they get off easy this week and oh they live to see another fucking day not this week fuck you rotten tomatoes this movie's not that fucking bad and I don't know why it has a twenty nine percent rotten based on the audience score and no critic score whatsoever there's tons of critics on the fucking internet who have rated this movie and most of them have been at the halfway mark or higher. Um, So what, we didn't want this movie to look that good? What, because it's Canadian? Like, what the fuck? So that's my rant on that. Rotten Tomatoes can go fuck themselves. Critical reception for Black Mountainside, for the most part, has been positive. I mean, Bloody Disgusting uh, praised the film. IndieWire praised the film. Uh, They basically said that Nick S's, like I told you, I'm not saying his last name, Nick S's horror movie is a solid addition to the movie tradition of Arctic thrillers. Um, and yeah, there's times when it feels fucking cold. Uh, not like The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing gives me the fucking chills when I watch that movie. There are times when they are out in the cold and I'm just like, God damn it, I need a fucking blanket. And it's July. Um, (laughs) Ain't It Cool News, uh, praised the movie. They said that Black Mountainside is expertly made and gorgeous to look at. I think I just said that. This movie's fucking beautiful. Um, Film School Rejects uh, reviewed it positively, saying Black Mountainside is a beautifully shot, creepy love letter to John Carpenter's The Thing uh, and manages to still find its own identity. I would have to agree with that. I have a little bit on that further on, so we'll we'll get there in a minute. Um, This film won awards. Uh, Best Feature at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in 2015. It won that. It won Best Screenplay at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Uh, It won for Best Cinematography at the Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival. And it also was uh, nominated for two Leo Awards, Best Cinematography and Best Sound Editing. It was nominated, didn't win, but still, it got the nod. Uh, So, I don't know. People like this movie. 
Now for the blood, the gore, and the fugly. Or the gore, the blood, and the fugly. Whatever. Fuck, you guys get the point. I'm not editing that. <sighs> Whatever. Okay, so this was part of a listener request. So I checked this film out because of that. And I have to say, I enjoyed this movie. As I've already stated twice, I'm going to say it a third time. Absolutely beautifully shot. Whoever was like doing the scouting for the locations and what they were going to film and what they wanted to have shown on the screen, kudos to you. The landscape is absolutely breathtaking. Definitely aids in giving the whole lonely and distanced environment. But my God, you scouted beautifully. The the locations, the, the sites, the, even the sounds... And lack thereof. You know, it's kind of interesting. As I mentioned, Lurker's recommendation is a quiet place. This movie's a very quiet movie in itself. Um, and now, okay, so it, as stated in the, you know, the where I was talking about the reception of the film, I'm going to say the same thing. It is somewhat reminiscent of John Carpenter's The Thing. Also has a bit of a Lovecraftian feel to it. But at the same time, it's not much like either of them at all. It is its own thing. The movie does some different things. Especially in terms of the thing that is antagonizing the men in the woods. And there's, you know, the whole in the woods thing. You know, <sighs> when are people going to learn? Stop going out in the woods. Yeah, right. That's where I want to be. But anyways, uh, this movie, uh, one thing that is very similar to the thing is the whole sense of paranoia. The sense of distrust or mistrust, whatever you want to say, uh, and how it grows within the characters as the film moves on. In that regards, yes, this movie is somewhat like John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, the real treasure of the movie, though, is the buildup, the tension, and that's something that A Quiet Place does very well also. Um, again, there's a reason why I said it's Lurker's recommendation this week. It's a great fucking movie. Uh, but for this movie, definitely the buildup. Um, and there's no like cheap tricks. There's no um, like jump scares. They, there's a few. I think there's like one or two that possibly could be considered a jump scare and cause me to jump. But uh, there's none of that shit. Like there's nothing. Uh, it's a slow burn. It takes its time presenting the story. Uh, it takes time showing it, like giving the the feeling of suspense, uh, keeping you wondering what, what what's going to happen. Um, there's a few hints, but it's not like completely smack dab in your face. At the same time, you're not falling asleep; like you're genuinely interested. I watched this movie after work. Um, I had worked a long night the night before. I was tired when I got home. I was like, you know what? I'll put it on. Odds are I'm not even going to finish it, but I'll give it a shot. I didn't fall asleep. I didn't blink an eye. Like It, it was a very, very good movie to watch. Um, now, the whole bit with the creature, the, the deer, so to speak, uh, it's also been referenced as possibly being like a Wendigo-like creature or whatnot. One of the very intriguing things about the film is explaining this whole phenomena. Whether it is a hallucination, whether it's a haunting, whether it's something from outer space or something ancient from the world, you really have no clue. And you don't even really know if it's tied to the structure that the men 
found in in the woods, like the the archaeology, uh, um, the archaeological uh, discovery they made. That the the it looks like a giant tomb kind of like thing, whatever. You really don't know if this creature is tied to that. I mean, he gives off some speech about, you know, being like their god and all this sort of shit and whatnot. So you you kind of wonder, but I mean, maybe it's a bacteria or an illness, a sickness, something that's come out of the tomb and it's it's causing them all to hallucinate. You really don't know. Um, and it's never explained, which is kind of a good thing. It leaves it up to the interpretation of the, the viewer, the audience. You can interpret it. Interpret. I cannot talk today. You can interpret it as you choose to. Um, it's a two-legged deer, if you ask me. Uh, but it kind of also reminded me a little bit of the ritual uh, from Netflix, which I talked about in what episode two of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. It's it's different it's weird it's canadian that's for sure um i would know i'm canadian so fuck you anyways uh <laughs> it's it's a good uh, it's a good way of like one thing i like about this film is i guess what i'm trying to say is is that you can watch this film with a bunch of friends and each and every one of you in the room could walk away feeling something different about this film the way it was shot the way it's been done the way they don't just blatantly explain it to you. They let it be up to you. You you use your own imagination as to what you think you saw happen on the screen. I love that about this film. Uh, there's not a lot of gore. Uh, there's blood to be found, obviously. It's a horror film. But there's not a lot of gore. So, you know, you got a weak and, you know, squeamish stomach. You can still watch this. It's not something you have to avoid because of it. A very quiet score is utilized uh, if there's any to be found, it, there's not a lot of music to this. I mean, there's more music in a quiet place than there is in this. Um, and uh, another thing, and this is something that I know as a fact, living in Canada and I've lived with snow every year of my life, the snow landscape really helps to muffle the sound. In, uh, and this is something that you, if you live in a city or in a, in a part of the world where you get like big snowfalls, you know yourself when the snow is coming down and it's coming down hard, but it's like that the the bigger chunk snow and it's like you know it's just coming down hard, but it's not like you know it's not like a hard snow where it's hurting you as it's falling or anything like that. You know yourself, it muffles sound. It 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 has this like quieting feeling. This movie does that. Uh, using the snow, the landscape, and whatnot gives you that feeling of everything is very quiet. Everything is very... Um, it, there's there's a lot of solitude. Um, and I love that. There, uh, The characters. The characters themselves, no stupid decisions. Uh, there's no... Um, there's no movie like... Someone wrote on, uh, on the internet, and I kind of got the same idea. There's no political statements that ruin the film. Um, there's no forced plot points. Um, it's just a good horror. Uh, whether it's an alien version of horror or it's something ancient and you know mystic or whatnot, or you know just some good old Lovecraftian style horror, that's up to the interpretation of of the viewer. But it's just a good movie. I didn't mind this movie. It is a slow burn, though. 
It is a very slow burn. So if you're in the mood for a fast-paced, heart-rushing horror film, you know, like getting your blood pumped and holy shit, I'm, you know, I'm going to freak out and shit my pants and all that sort of crap, you might want to avoid this one because it's not that kind of horror film. I did like it, though. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I, I personally think it's it's a it's a solid film. Um, I wouldn't go as crazy as to give it like a seven or an eight, simply because there's when I think about in terms of the movies, I think about like movies that like how I would rate them, and there's movies that I would rate at a seven or an eight that are better than this. So that's why I when I kind of played it out in my head as to where I would put the rating. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I think it, it, it's a solid film. It's a decent film. Uh, it's one I would definitely recommend. It's low budget, too. you got to keep that in mind. It's a low-budget indie film from Canada. Um, so, you know, and there's, like I said, there's no, like, big stars. Uh, there's no females. It's an all-male cast. Um, there's no women in this film. So that's another thing you got to keep in mind. You know, like, God forbid any some, like, you know, Someone who gets really offended about, we need women representation in these films. Well, sorry, you ain't getting it in this one. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, not every film has to have tits and ass, and this one has none of that. Um, but you know what? It, like I say, it's, it's a great film, definitely worth watching. And you know what? On that note, I'm going to say thank you for listening. That's this week's episode, everyone. Um... And you know what? This has been a fun one to record. I kind of hope you all like the uh, the segment I added this week. You know, the films I've watched this past week. I'd like to do that on a regular basis. So, you know, feel free to let me know. Like, did you like it? Do you think I could do it differently? Why not? I am always welcome to, you know, constructive criticism. I don't get offended easy. So if you want to turn around and say, you know what? You're a fucking retard. Go nuts. Um I don't personally like that word, but hey, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, you hurt my feelings. I got to write about it on social media now. No, I don't. I'm not that kind of person. Feel free to tell me exactly how you feel about it. And if that's something you would like to do, here's where you can do it. Um, well, first of all, to contact me, what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com. Please email me if you want it. it I get, I check my emails every single day. Feel free to email me. Uh, Facebook, Facebook, getting a bit more. Uh, there's a bit more uh, activity going on on the Facebook page, so I appreciate that. Thank you, people. Um, Facebook.com/slash What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Share it with your friends. Get some people on the Facebook page. You know, it's a nice community there that's starting to form. Uh, Instagram. Instagram's great. You people that are following me on Instagram, I love you, all of you. You guys are constantly liking things, talking to me and whatnot. Thank you so much. Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero on Twitter. Eh, I got to say this though. I need to give a, a shout out to David Howard Thornton. Thank you for sharing my episode last week. That meant a lot to me. Um, Terrifier is a great fucking movie. And I really appreciated that he supported me as I was supporting him. Uh, on Twitter, it's at WLB Podcast underscore zero. Letterboxd, I'm constantly, uh, I, I'm doing about two to three reviews a week on there. Letterboxd.com slash capital WLB underscore podcast zero. And Redbubble, you know what? I sold a shirt this week, guys. It's the second shirt I've sold since I've been doing this. So thank you very much. 
uh, redbubble.com slash people slash podcast zero number zero that is and uh, that's it for me next week ready player one I know not a horror fucking film piss off it's sci-fi it's dystopian and there's horror shit in it so it's getting done uh, filled with spoilers you guys have had more than enough time to watch it now I'm spoiling shit out of this um, so next week ready player one but until then if you go out hunting and you find a deer with two legs, it also might be able to talk. Um, you know what? Run your fucking ass away. But watch out for bear traps. I'm just saying. I'm out, lurkers. Pieces. Lots of tiny pieces. <laughs>